How can I help in the world if I don't know what's going on? Should I watch the news? Should I keep up with what's going on through Facebook or news apps? Do I really want to pollute myself with a daily dose of death and disaster? Am I better to just concentrate on my small sphere of influence, being the best person I can, loving nature and those around me? But the world needs to change. How can we change the world if we don't know what's going on and we don't all work together? Okay then, I turned on the news. Flames, screams, distraught people, starving children, climate change, oil spills, animals on the brink, man-made and natural disasters. I turned it off. Okay, this was going to take a planned approach and a fair bit of strength. Long ago, I discovered that my sensitivity is a two-edged sword. It cuts through shadows to the truth of things so I can discover the gifts hidden within. It also cuts my fingers, if not carefully and skillfully wielded. Some things take practice. Good thing I've had a lot, because there seems to be some urgency. The world is going up in flames and my feet are burning, crossing that burning ground. I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people and spiritual development. Shall we begin? Often people walk through my door and they're heartbroken. Their question is, how can the world be like this? What is the point? What is the point even being here? There are so many ways to sense the sacred and sometimes it's easier than other times. Sometimes we have these glorious opportunities to really lean into our soul and who we truly are. But most of the time, it's a little more challenging than that. Humanity, according to esoteric philosophy, is influenced by a universal law that we call harmony through conflict. We learn through conflict. We learn through the tough times. Crisis is often that thing that wakes us up, whether it be drama on the news or drama in our personal life. And there we have our challenge. What can we learn? What is the golden thread? I sat quietly, eyes softly unfocused, letting my body rock in unison with the rise and fall of the forward movement of the boat. I'm sorry, the captain apologised. We won't see orcas. This time of year they migrate down the coast. We haven't seen them for a couple of weeks. We may see whales. But I can't promise you anything, but I do know where a dolphin pod is. It was 1995 and I was in New Zealand so I could see wild orcas. I didn't know exactly why I was so passionately attached to orcas, but I was. I waited for his words to hit me with gut-wrenching disappointment. I drew a blank. Nope, not there. Huh. I let the rocking of the boat be my meditation. 
I let my eyes soften on the horizon and breathe gently and deeply of the sea air. I was here direct from the red centre of Australia with its amethyst ranges and harsh dry air, a brutal and beautiful environment that confronted us to accept experiences outside of white reality and where sacred experiences were part of the mundane day-to-day. The desert challenged us as a community to stand straight and be responsible and allowed us to be diverse and unique. I loved it. It was home. And as I took the last step from the plane and my foot touched this lush green soil, my head did a complete flip. Instantly, I was thinking with the other side of my brain. I felt very strange walking to the terminal. Left brain analytical Annie receded. I could feel all this activity on the other side of my head. For the first time in my life, my right brain, my intuitive mind, dominated my decision-making. I hired a car. I followed my nose. I knew where I was going. I'd left my desert home and found another home. New Zealand called to my soul and my heart overflowed with gratitude. I knew my way. I drove north. I was surrounded by lush vegetation and huge sacred trees that filled the air with the hum of their beingness. From the enormous and majestic presence of Tanemahuta, the god of the forest and the oldest living cowrie tree in New Zealand, to the magical yakas, the cells in my body recognised and harmonised with each one. Standing before Tanemahuta in awed silence and deep peace, I still couldn't get my head around how person after person would walk up and start calculating how many houses it would make. It was like listening to repeated death threats. My dreams after a day in the forest had been feverish and full of black and white whales. Whales, whales everywhere, flying in the sky. Black and white whales. The fever passed with the dawn, and driving northeast, I didn't even consider. They could be orcas. And now rocked by the sea, I relished the seawater in my blood, the wind on my cheeks, and the tang and bite of sea spray. My body became simply a container for my consciousness. And my consciousness was communing with the greater life. The sun, the sea, the wind, and everything they touched, and everything they were connected to. I was deeply peaceful. I was deeply focused. In trance, I was aware of all that is, one with all that is, naturally sensing the sacred. I became aware of, I could feel, a whale under the water. A humpback surfaced right where I was looking and disappeared under the surface again. I could still feel it. The captain waited for a short time to see if it would resurface for us. We're going to move on. Those guys can stay underwater for half an hour. Let's see what else we can find. We idled to a stop. Another whale. I could feel a communion, a connection. And then she surfaced, a minky whale. We stayed for a while as she gently dived and surfaced again, never in the same spot. It became a game. Could I spot where and when she would surface? I could. How could I? 
Finally she disappeared and we were alone on the surface of the water. Look! Dolphins! The captain's keen eyes had spotted a pod in the distance. He opened the throttle and we raced to catch up with them. Sea spray broke over the bow. I laughed with delight. No walkers? No problem. And then I saw it. The lunging of a huge body. Now two, two massive black dorsal fins breaking the water and the sea became a swirling tempest and the dolphins flew away. Bodies barely skimming the water fast, so fast. I couldn't believe they could move like that. They weren't swimming, they were flying. And just like that, the dolphins were gone and the sea was quiet. What just happened? Um, sometimes orcas eat dolphins. That was a hunt. The juvenile bull spooked the dolphins towards the big bull so he could have breakfast. But he only had a couple, so it looks like he wasn't much hungry and no one else joined in, so they weren't hungry. The captain smiled hopefully, but was careful to not look anyone in the eye. At this point, for most of the passengers, any romantic attitudes about orcas flew straight out the door. I think I'm going to be sick, said one. We're staying put, the captain said. We're going no closer while they're hunting. We're okay here, but we're not going any closer. So we watched those enormous dorsal fins in the distance and tried to count them. Was this the family pot that belonged in these waters? The one seen migrating south a couple of weeks ago? Why had they come back? Or were these a few individuals coming together for mutual benefit? The ferocity of the hunt calmed to a lazy pursuit of a dolphin that had fled in the wrong direction. Then the fins disappeared. Water gently lapped at the side of the hull. No sound. No fins. Nothing. The sea was eerily quiet, everything silent, except for the idling of our boat engine. No fins, no sound. Just the water against the hull. I looked over my shoulder. They were here. I knew they were here. I could feel them. I just couldn't see them. The silence stretched to painful limits. Okay, show's over, said the captain. There's no chance of seeing any dolphins now. They'll be too upset and they'll actually avoid these waters for a few days. But maybe we'll go find a sea lion sunning on a rock. And as he gently opened the throttle and began to move off, baby orcas squealed and clicked and bounced to the surface at the rear of the boat, close enough to touch. Their mothers followed more slowly and with a sprayful whoosh, of outward breath. They laughed at us. They had hidden the babies behind the boat before the hunt began. We didn't even know they were there. The engine noise drowned out the baby calls and so the dolphins had no warning and no way to know they were breakfast. The sheer intelligence of them awed me. Truly the wolves of the sea. Mothers and babies bobbed behind the boat. Okay, let's just gently ease away. We're a bit too close. Slowly the captain turned the boat towards open water, engine pulsing. 
and the orcas followed. We reached cruising speed, and the orcas followed. And then, on either side of the boat, more dorsal fins appeared, huge and black. And then, more to the front, more to the rear. The whole pod, the whole pod was here, and an extra four orcas the captain had never seen before. Sixteen orcas. We were surrounded, just like in my dream. Black and white whales everywhere. The juveniles flanking either side of our six-metre boat were bigger, much bigger. They flowed through the water with complete power and grace, cruising and bearing their bellies to enjoy the summer sunshine. Bigger than the boat. All it would take is for someone to get playful or have a teenage tantrum and we would be toast. The sensible people were huddled in the stern, feeling the strain and just a little bit concerned. I sat in the bow with captain's permission, sea spray on my face and my heart exploding with joy. We cruised for kilometres as a family pack. I wished it could last forever. Our boat in the middle of a ring of huge adults and flanked by the smaller but still massive juveniles. Surrounded and protected, just like the mothers and babies still following behind our boat. Simply belonging. What a great story! Is it true? Yep, it is. Why have I shared it? Well, it was to tell you something important. Here we go. Are you taking notes? We are all capable of more than we believe. And in every experience, there's a golden thread of the sacred, a truth or a lesson that once learned, we are so transformed that if we could go back, we wouldn't. And it's worth searching for. That's it. I don't know. That's a bit of a stretch, Amory. How do you know? I know because people who have transcended hurt and pain have told me so. Not once, but over and over. People of courage who lead by example. People who go hard on the problem and easy on others. Quiet achievers who show us that anything can be healed. And that there is a lot to be hopeful for. Soulful people who are the hidden strength in our world. And the truth is that this is actually us too. We're all soulful people at different levels of wisdom and maturity and especially compassion. Okay, Amory, I can see that golden thread in the orca story, but really, how can you say that? What about the bad things that happen in the world? What about the rapes and murders and wars and children hurting? What about the crimes against our elders and the lack of support for our artists? What about illness and death and pollution and suicide? What about car accidents? What about the mess? That's our natural world. What about racism? What about watching the news? And what I'm going to say is that I see a lot of people being horrified. I see a lot of people who care. And I see a lot of people who think things are urgent. Opinions differ, but people are saying 
change is needed now. Changes to communication between men and women, between people of different cultures, between people of different lifestyles, between people of different religions. Changes to money systems, to legal systems, to the sharing of resources, to the sharing of knowledge. And finally, to the sharing of power. Change is needed now. Individual circumstances can vary widely, but when we dive deep into our unique contexts, we find a golden thread that's not too dissimilar to our neighbours. In spite of gender, colour, class, culture, lifestyle, education or religion, we are much more similar than we are different. Life teaches us acceptance, resilience, forgiveness and discernment. We hurt, we cry, we yearn, we laugh and we puzzle our way through things. We learn or we defer the lesson to another day and if like me, you believe in many lives, in the end, we all learn. And the most important lesson of all is how truly worthy of love we are. So next time you watch the news and find yourself overwhelmed by the evil on the screen and the messiness of life, join me in searching for that golden thread. What is the lesson we are learning? How can we build bridges to transformation? And what action can we take? P.S. I've got a hint for you. If you aim for being in right relationship with everything else, you'll be on the right track. And it's worth doing. Writing, scripting, thinking, feeling, my phone buzzes. Writing, scripting, thinking, my phone buzzes. Do I really want to answer this? It's probably a scam call. It's from Brisbane. Probably still a scam call. Probably one of those overseas criminal organisations that accesses our unused Australian phone numbers with the permission of our government. Because the government says that's a legitimate business use. I've got the email, people. My phone buzzes again insistently. Maybe it's something from the weekend workshop he wants to connect. Oh well, I guess I can always hang up. Hello. Hi, I'm from the Wilderness Society. We want to thank you for your name on the petition to stop oil giant Equinor drilling into the pristine waters of our bite. And to tell you, we've just received good news. There will be no drilling. That's the good news. The bad news is that Santos have been fracking in the Kimberley since 2010. They've caused leaks of methane and uranium into the ground and artesian water, and there are currently no laws requiring they clean up the mess they've made. We have the science, we have the money trails, and we have the legal experts. Are you interested in helping further? Jack Sparrow, good old Jack Sparrow, gave us one definition for pirate when he said, take all you can, give nothing back. We, the masses, have allowed a small number of privileged people to do as they will with no checks and balances. There is no planet B. We can create a sustainable future with right relationships and right action. And if we start now, we can alter our future. With different skills and abilities, each of us can make an important contribution. I'm really, really thrilled about this because lobbying and influencing legislation is certainly not my ballywhack. 
Individually, we are restricted, but together we can do what's needed. I'm not going to teach you to suck eggs by repeating stuff you can Google faster than I can recite, stuff you already know and probably do. But I'd like to encourage you to do one additional thing this week, something that is in my ballywhack. Try the Violet Flame Meditation for World Healing. That's episode four of The Soulful Therapist. What you think, you create. Join me for a nature nap, or perhaps have your own nature nap in your corner of the world. Walk barefoot on the earth for 10 minutes a day. And in the show notes, you'll find a link to the Wilderness Society, their movement for life, lobbying letters, and petitions. Desiderata says, with all its sham drudgery and broken dreams, it's still a beautiful world. So let's stop for a while and take the time. Let's open ourselves to nature, to reality, and sense the sacred behind our experiences. I love getting questions, and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at Anne at annemariemcglasson.com. I'll do my best to answer questions every week. So we've just had an incredibly interesting question. Um, Thank you so much for the questions. This one is, if I don't take action, does that make me a bad person? Um, Sometimes we can have friends and relatives who are great nature warriors or really responsible and very active caring for the people around us. And sometimes that's not how we're made or conditioned. So does that make us a bad person? And of course the follow on from that, does that make my soul bad? Well, the good thing is that um, while our personality can be quite flawed at times and is a work in progress, uh, no, your soul actually can't be bad. We live in a dual world, so people have both positive and negative qualities. We can also distort the truth and we can look at things in the wrong way and upside down and really come up with some logic that's not quite rational. And of course, that's some of the work that I do where I sit with people and I say, what is it that you're thinking? How is it that you're actually thinking about things? And this is where oftentimes therapy can be a real advantage for people. Of course, talking to a good mate, can often do a sensible good mate can often do the same thing. So so that's the good and the bad of it. No, your soul is pure and perfect and whole. Oftentimes it's difficult for us to connect with that part of ourselves. Um, this is where meditation comes in. And of course, some people have uh, religious observances that help them get into that particular state. But your personality is both good and bad. And just practicing just Watching the trend of your thoughts is always a good thing. The second part of this question, which again uh, is very interesting, is the whole guilt kick. You know, I didn't do it, so I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and feel bad, but shove it aside and um, push it underneath where I don't actually have to see it. Oftentimes we are a lot more critical of ourselves than we need to be. Um, Sometimes the parenting we've received pre-programs us with a bit of a guilt button. But the power of this is to know that at any point you can really decide, actually, I want to take action or I want to put into play who I am uh, into the world and make a bit of difference. 
we don't always have to be nature warriors. We don't have to get on boats and defend whales and, and do that sort of stuff. Uh, we just have to be ourselves and be the best person we can be on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes that's just recycling the rubbish. Um, sometimes that's being kind to a stranger on the tram. Uh, there are different ways that we are and express ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And if we all focus on that, I think we're all going to be fine, frankly, (laughs) despite what the news says. Thank you for the questions. So just letting you know that in the next week, we're going to be trying nature naps. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, We're going to have a whole heap of uh, sustainable secondhand natural blankets and we're going to have a little naps meditation first for world peace and then wrap ourselves up in beautiful blankets and snuggle up to the roots of a tree helping ourselves and harmonizing with the planet and being a lot better off at the end of that time so if you'd like to join us with that um, please feel free Uh, if you'd like to organize your own well that sounds like a great idea Uh, If you go to my website, we've got lots of different workshops coming up, some of the things that are exciting in the next couple of weeks. There will be a Reiki workshop, and uh, for next term, there will be a weekly communication class. So you've ever wondered how do you put together different skills of communication to have a beautiful conversation with someone or to help them? Uh, or even just to work out how do you actually get out the bedroom and um, off the computer and meet with people face-to-face. How does that actually work? Uh, there's a class coming up shortly. So go to my website, uh, com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I love reading the comments on iTunes. Your requests for spiritual mentoring and storytelling have created something really special. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please share with a friend or two. See you next time.